losing money in the stock market roller coaster? Frustrated with the government taxing you into oblivion? Worried about inflation? How do you prepare for so many financial uncertainties? Welcome to the show that will help you develop your game plan. The Financial Quarterback with Josh Jelinski. Josh is a noted financial advisor and president of the Jelinski Advisory Group. And he's here to answer your questions. Call into the show at 800-321-0710. 800-321-0710. Now let's kick off your financial future. Here's Josh Jelinski. Hi, everybody. This is Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback. And we're talking about what, Josh, today? We're talking about beards. Beards. <laughs> and how beards unveil a new perspective on trustworthiness. Ooh, very good. Where, where's that article? That's on uh, Evergreen Articles. So in the world of why, you know, are we going to reveal our cast of characters too? <laughs> we should. So in our first vignettes into people that make this show what it is, we're going to feature Jim. Yes, Beards, and I have a mustache. Beards unveil a new perspective on trustworthiness. According to skirp.org, the article, and what is skirp.org anyway? <laughs> Yeah, you actually it's, have to name the source, Josh. It's a .org. <laughs> you sent me this article. <laughs> oh, right here. It is the scientific. Yeah, but it actually looks more legitimate. The way scientific I research, uh, an academic publisher. Yeah, basically <laughs> compiles. Oh so, yeah, Armin Bakmazian, Department of Psychology at the prestigious McMaster University in Canada, says the man behind the beard, perception of men's trustworthiness as a function of facial hair. There are several exogenous factors, such as the presence of facial hair, that can bias a male's perceived trustworthiness. Jim has a mustache. Jim is our beloved office manager. Does that make Jim and you have some might call it manly scruffle, Josh. What do they call yeah. it? Stubble? Scruff, stubble. Manly yeah. stubble. I shaved. Alex shaved. Many of our other cast of characters are shaved. Tom Except Clancy doesn't has a beard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, so so we're not going by opinions here, Jim. We're going by the science. Trust the science. Scientific research. I mean, here's here's how you would dismiss this, Jim. Jim's very offended by this article. Hmm. So, Jim, are you less or more trustworthy due to your facial hair? Doesn't matter. In other words, that has nothing to do with anything. Nothing to do with anything. Of that. Man He's looks right. on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Right, Jim? That's correct. From the Bible. But then you got to look at our presidents. Look at Abe Lincoln. They all had facial hair back then. They had powdered wigs for crying out loud. So that's an appeal to history <laughs> and an appeal to the heart. Okay, but let's go by science, Jim. Science. If we go by science, trust the science. In the present study, participants were presented with experimental questions and two facial photographs. One showed a man depicting a beard and the other a non-bearded face. 
and asked to choose the stimulus that they perceive to be more trustworthy. Doesn't mean you aren't trustworthy. It's just the look. So you got to be realize, you got to take a little logic class. A man with a nicely groomed mustache, Jim, like you, that's not the stimuli. So I guess to truly critique Jim, we would need a separate scientific study of a man with a nicely groomed mustache, and you would pick who's more trustworthy. Why are we talking about this? <laughs> because a client brought this up to me that he wore a beard in public so that people wouldn't mess with him. And he found that he flaps his shades on, he has his beard, and people don't mess with him when he puts on his leather jacket. He looks like a biker guy. But if he's shaven, because I just saw him, I said, oh, nice, nice beard. And then we started talking about this. Would you trust somebody less? I was letting my facial hair grow a little bit this week. I felt like people were looking at me strange. So this is the thing. The results of the present study were inconsistent with previous findings. This is interesting. So Jim, you would want to look at the study of Ebling, 1987, Muscarella and Cunningham, 1996, Neve and Shields, 2008. Stirrat and Perret, 2010. So there's a lot of studies on this. I've heard this, though, that more specifically in some of the studies, this is, this is interesting. In one, two, three, four, five, six studies, if you had a beard, you were deemed to be less trustworthy. In the most recent study by Armin Bakmazian, he is saying that people with a beard were chosen as trustworthy. So my course in logic would help me to note that maybe perceptions have changed. This was in 2014. I would wonder what a study would suggest in 2023. Now, moreover, attributions of a photo's attractiveness were controlled by pre-rating it and randomly matching it with another photo with the same attractiveness rating. So they took somebody who was of equal attraction. So like Denzel Washington with a beard, without. Josh Jelinski with a beard, without. What say you? I want to comment, message, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. 888-988-JOSH. Leave a message for the show. Press one to leave a message to be on the financial quarterback whenever Tom fixes the voicemail system. So any comments on this? Do you believe this has any bearing on people's money? I think it does. How many financial advisors do you know have a beard? Very few. Why is that? Because of studies like this. I would also argue that maybe things are different in different parts of the world. What about the grooming quality of the beard? That's For example, Josh Fisher, not groomed at all. Looks like he just woke up. Well, he did. Our producer, James Minutella, our office manager, he looks very well groomed. So does that perception? I don't know. I, I know, grew my beard. I know when they show kids, you know, kids are scared of people with beards unless they grew up with somebody with a beard. 
but also the, at the, the beard size. You know that how the new look with the beards, that long look, that's a little shaky. And here's the yeah. room beard, then you know somebody is taking care of themselves for their look. So you say the grooming matters. Yes. Not yes. the presence of facial hair. I say the grooming matters. I was told I have the college professor look with the beard. College professor, or some would say Unabomber. <laughs> <laughs> some would. Whoa. What if you're bald, though? Wait, yeah, that, that could work. <laughs> There's a funny quote about the Unabomber. Our last child, we named him Jetty Jelinski, J-E-T-T-Y, short for Jedediah because we like to surf. We opted, one of the names on my wife's short list was Theodore, Teddy. She mm -hmm. likes the name Teddy. We opted not to give him the name Teddy. Do you know why? Unabomber. Yeah, exactly. Teddy Ted K. Ted Jelinski runs with Ted <laughs> Kaczynski. Oh, man. I didn't think of that part. I, you know, I also think it depends on... I'm not judging anyone with a beard. I, I, I do not want there to be an eruption of ratings like what happened with Elon Musk dropping the F-bomb with Andrew Ross Sorkin. Although my trouble, I'll talk about that later, my trouble with Elon Musk is less about him. I don't like profanity, so I don't like that he dropped the F-bomb in public. But it would be more that he would have an interview with Andrew Ross Sorkin. Like, that, that's a question of judgment. You know that guy's trying to do a gotcha on you. So then I start to question judgment. Do we really want this guy controlling satellites when he's giving interviews with Andrew Ross Sorkin? and dropping F-bombs, hurling profanities. Although, again, I don't like the profanity, but I'm more troubled that he would have the interview. I was on, I was on a uh, Andrew Ross Sorkin show one time. It was nice, but you know his, he definitely has a kind of left-of-center perspective. So, like, you know he's trying to do a gotcha. So as it returns to facial hair, I do think it affects people. If you want to get a job, maybe you shave. You know, now you may think you look younger with a beard or with no beard. And there's that manly scruffle look. I mean, we do have clients who are retired, so maybe they skew more traditional in their tastes. So maybe it doesn't matter anymore. I don't know. What, what say you, Josh Fisher? Uh, I just remember my first job was at Six Flags, New England, and uh, I went in for the job and I had like the tiniest bit of high school scruff and uh, they gave me a straight razor and they were like, shave that off. And so my first day, I just had cuts all over my face. So is that more trustworthy than a beard? You tell me. Yeah. Because people <laughs> probably felt sorry for you. Yeah. <laughs> Who's this guy? He's beat up. I think uh, shave is very trustworthy, especially when you're dealing with money and, you know, you're client facing all the time. I mean, I'm an editor. I sit behind the scenes usually. So <laughs> I think this kind of matches my personality a little bit more. But I guess it's all about what you do and, uh, you know, who you're interacting with on a day to day basis. No, oh, fantastic. So you wanted to do vignettes on the people that make this show? Sure. Let's go through the rounds. Uh, Jim, why don't you tell us who you are, where you came from, and uh, something interesting about you. 
There's nothing interesting. Nothing interesting about me. I got a mustache. That's the That's interesting part. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, I've been here for ten years. What was the year? Thirteen or fourteen? I think it was thirteen. Twenty thirteen. It may have been twelve or twelve. Yeah, the December 12. of twelve. Oh no, no, it was November. I think in the music store. Yeah, I met him yeah. in. A, I was working part time in a music store in town, and he came strolling in with somebody. He had long hair. Yeah. And he was looking for a uh, acoustic guitar for his wife. Yeah, that's my best friend with long hair. He looks like Jafar. <laughs> he looks like Jafar from Aladdin. So go ahead, Jim. Yeah, so that's how I met him. Sold him the guitar. It's a beautiful guitar. We still have it to this day. It is. It's a really good guitar. Thank you, Jim. And, and then uh, for that lovely guitar. Basically, we talked about seeing, you know, there was a position available at his company. Yeah, Bass Guy figured if he could handle me, he could handle anybody. That was that was a very little amount of you. Just love at first now, sight. Love at first sight. You can... And the company took <laughs> off, and now it's skyrocketing since I came aboard. How about that? Is Thank that you. Yep. Jim has a family, but he lives in the studio. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have. I live in a cave. I live in the safe in the studio. Safe in the yep. studio. And no, but and, and here's the thing about Jim: the clients love him. He is honest, ethical, hardworking, and uh, really does a great job for our clients. He handles everything from clients processing RMD paperwork, distribution requests, new account transfers, just making sure things run smoothly from an operational standpoint. And he is a relentless hard worker. And it goes to show you, he never really did the financial industry and he really is uniquely gifted for it so just being a good person helped him greatly now for your rolex watch <laughs> my and my dinner <laughs> where's my 10 year dinner where's my 10 year dinner it's coming up january <laughs> yes, that's right that's right get a veal chop milanese oh that sounds great alex is up Next up, Alex. What is Alex's origin story? Of, we, of my beard? <laughs> no, no. The thing we were talking about is the people in our group are sort of like a ragtag band gypsies. of gypsies or misfits. Or they kind of remind me of like Alex. What, what's his name? Howard Stern's cast of characters. Oh, God. <laughs> the Island of Misfits. The Island of Misfits. I didn't, I didn't really listen to that crap to be honest no i just knew i just knew of them but we have varying people with varying personalities so now we have alex alex came to us how long have you been with us alex over a year now whoa <laughs> how'd you last <laughs> and alex one day showed up when one of my beloved interns ben just brought him I think Ben just brought you. Uh, yeah, I was in, I was still in college when he told me about uh, you and that you may need a video editor. And so I graduated and I took a look around and decided to take the opportunity to show what I can do and hopefully learn how to become better in my field. Well, thank you. And he's Beautiful. a great guy. One highlight of the show was the guy who brought him... <laughs> 
we would we would always do this show and i i love ben dearly but ben would sometimes get under my my skin during these things <laughs> and alex wouldn't so alex has a very calming yeah. influence except there was one time when uh i think somebody didn't like his intro but other than that he did a great job so good job alex thank you josh and then you Josh Fisher, do we do we tell your story? Me, uh, what is my story? We met over a FaceTime. Yeah, my first interaction with Josh was uh, over the summer. I think you were on vacation with your family, and uh, you were FaceTiming me from the car in the Dunkin' Donuts <laughs> drive-through, and saying, "I don't know if you're going to be able to handle me." <laughs> I got that warning many a times, and uh, I had worked with uh, a lot of people in the past, so I was like, "I can handle it." And uh, what it's been six months. Yeah. Uh, five, six months, and uh, we're still figuring it out. <laughs> six months, and I, I already look like a 72-year-old man. <laughs> so, yeah, this uh, beard I started when I first started. Hi, everybody. This is Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback, with another update. Walmart, latest big advertiser to pull out of Elon Musk's X, formerly known as Twitter amid widening concerns over hate speech and reach. According to Walmart, they're the latest company to join the growing flock of major advertisers. This from yahoofinance.com. Elon Musk's beleaguered social media company amid concerns about hate speech. We aren't advertising on X as we found some other platforms better reach our customers. The announcement comes two days after Musk's went on an expletive-ridden tirade with Andrew Ross Sorkin about companies halting spending on X in response to various material. Musk said advertisers pulling out are engaging in blackmail and using a profanity essentially told them to go away. Don't advertise, he said. Walmart joins Disney, IBM, NBC, and its parent company, Comcast, and other companies who've decided to stop spending on X. X's CEO, a former UMBC Universal executive who was hired by Musk to rebuild ties with advertisers who fled after he took over, concerned that his easing of content restrictions was allowing hateful and toxic speech to flourish that would harm their brands. But X's relations with advertisers doesn't appear to be improving. Walmart, this is from Joe Benaroche, head of operations at X, said that Walmart is a wonderful community of more than a million people on X with a half a billion people on X. Here's the thing. I don't think Disney, who that cares what Disney does? Disney is a bug in search of a windshield. I don't know many people want to invest in Disney anymore. Now, sure, you maybe like to go there. We're the Mickey yeah. Mouse ears. <laughs> but I think Disney is like a legacy media company. And then IBM, it's like, who uses IBM anymore? It's like, now I know if you, if you work for IBM, don't be offended. I know they're in cloud computing and all of these things, but they've lost a ton of market share to Hewlett Packard, HP, AWS, Amazon. So basically, if you're a legacy company, you may not invest in the new forms of media. Here's why I think X, although beleaguered maybe a little bit in the media's eyes, 
How many people are watching Tucker now on X? A lot. I, I think X is one of the biggest future competitors, even to YouTube. I agree. So Tucker's show moved to Twitter in June. 120 million times was his first show. Yep. His legacy show was seen like 6 million. And how does it compare to Fox? See, here's the thing. I think a lot of these companies don't understand that our world has gone very micro. You know, everybody has their own little community. We have a community of, you know, railroad collectors, anime people, cosplay people, Boston Red Sox fans, Yankees fans. It, it's like we're all balkanized, right? So it's not about having billions of followers anymore. It's nope. about, do you have all of these micro groups? Do you agree? I 100%. That's where the world's moving. I mean, you know, back in the day, you only had four channels and, uh, you know, you were kind of forced to watch what you watch. And now there's so many options for content. You can kind of find what you like. And, uh, you know, you're not really limited to whatever they're telling you to watch on TV. You're able to pick and choose what you want. Tucker's first video on X got over 13 point or sorry, over 18.2 million. No, 26 million views on his first video on there. And since I think his his second largest no, video had 13.2 million. million. 120 million total. Yeah. And that's like compared to, I think he was averaging like 3.9, 3 million on Fox. And he was under, you know, Fox's uh, control. He uh, wasn't allowed to fully say what he wanted to say. And although that free speech comes with potential problems, meaning yeah. people don't understand because I guess they don't teach civics anymore in school. Free speech means people are allowed to say speech that otherwise would be deemed rude, hateful. I mean, remember, you know, Howard Stern got in all this, uh, this hot water over free speech. We want to have freedom of speech in the U.S., even though that will mean that we'll have, some will say hateful things, some will say rude things, some will say crude things, some will say wrong things. But we want to have free speech because you don't want the government policing speech because then pretty soon it'll be, you know, hateful to say, oh, I don't know, George Washington was a good president or something like that. So, you know, people understand the First Amendment gives people the right to say things that maybe you don't agree with. Maybe you think it's distasteful. Maybe you think it's archaic. I mean, look at the uh, late night shows. I mean, late night used to be the hub for promotion. It used to be the hub for comedians that would blow up. I mean, Jerry Seinfeld went on uh, The Tonight Show and that's how he shot to fame. And now that doesn't even bump your numbers now with podcasts and YouTube and, you know, all these individuals that have their own shows. I mean, you know, the way you promote stuff is not going on a, a night show anymore. It's going and doing the podcast rounds. Yeah, exactly. I think X will will really take off. It'll fill that vacuum by kind of Fox business. And I think a lot of advertisers can actually take off if they embrace that. Yeah. Now, there will be problems. It will be thorny. That, that such is the American experiment, right? But here's the thing. Who the heck wants to see Jimmy Kimmel? It's all sanitized. I want to see like offensive Norm McDonald and Chevy Chase and 
Blues Brothers, all those old school Saturday night live people, far more entertaining than these sanitized beta males living in their mother's basement who are now, uh, who are now late night comics. So I really don't think this is anything other than Andrew Ross Sorkin and CNBC trying to become relevant again. Here's where I worry about it, Elon Musk. Why would he have the judgment to go on with Andrew Ross Sorkin? Other than billions, I think isn't Andrew Ross Sorkin the co-creator of the show Billions? Other than that, I mean, really you knew that Sorkin was going to try to have a hatchet job. He actually went on NBC the other day calling Elon Musk demonic at parts. Whatever happened to fair and balanced news reporting? I mean, I thought his conversation with uh, Andrew Ross Sorkin was great. I mean, I think the public opinion was on Elon's side because I think a lot of people are sick of advertising and it's like, if that's going to be the one policing our content, then what are we doing here? And uh, I think Elon speaking out on that was refreshing for a lot of people, especially in this new generation. Oh, I agree. I, I don't want everything to be sanitized by like corporate suits. We, we, we've had that the entire last 20 years in the U.S. The experiment didn't end well. Yeah, Andrew looked pretty bad in that, you know? It was like, Andrew just came off as not liking free speech and like just didn't understand it. And it's just like, this is a new school of, uh, you know, of of promotion. This is a new school of content. Yeah, it's a totally, I mean, we, we already have that with Facebook and Meta and Instagram. I, I think it could be refreshing. Well, the thing is, it's like, you know, you can you can try to combat all this stuff, but like it's, the world's changing whether you like it or not. And, uh, you know, for him, you know, saying, why can't we go back to the way things were? Everyone's already moving on. So, you know. Well, they're either, trying uh, to say because... They're trying to say because they are not policing content that they are somehow anti-Semitic or something like that. I mean, I don't know if you go on uh, threads lately, but that place is just as toxic as uh, Twitter is. And, you know, I don't know what Instagram's uh, policy of policing content and stuff is, but like, they're no, they're no better or worse. Yeah, I, I just think... People need to think for themselves and police their own content. You know, I mean, we're in we we live in the age of disinformation now. You know, it was back in the day it was the age of information where where he had all this stuff coming in, and now all the information's at our fingertips all the time, and it's up to us whether or not to believe or you know to trust stuff. And I think that's getting really really hard. But I mean, that's the world now. Everyone's opinion. When everyone can give their opinion at all times, twenty four seven. I mean, you know, a lot of responsibility lies in the the people consuming content to, uh, you know, navigate through the stuff because we can't rely on a tech company to do it for us. Like, you know, they all have ulterior motives and that includes advertisers and, you know, appeasing the higher up. So it really is on the consumers now to, you know, be able to please their own content and decide what's right and what's, what's wrong for them. I'm Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback. Next up, we're talking about Powell Fed rate cut speculation is premature. Rate hikes still possible. So Fed Chair Jerome Powell offered a new warning. This from Jennifer Schoenberger at Yahoo Finance. 
to investors who believe the Fed is finishing raising rates and will soon pivot to cutting, saying the central bank needs to see more evidence that inflation is on its way back to its Fed's 2% target. It would be premature to conclude with confidence, this is what he said on Friday, that we have achieved a sufficiently restrictive stance or to so speculate on when policy might ease. Basically, what he's saying is we are not cutting rates until the economy tanks. <laughs> so what that singles to me is next year, we'll probably have a 10 or 20% correction in the stock market again. And that's when they'll start lowering rates finally. So you got to realize whatever the Fed says, these people aren't God. They're just, they're, they're humans like us. They're just trying to react based on the limited knowledge that they have. They don't really control the economy like people think. They're just reacting, just like you and I are. Remember you said inflation was transitory? Was that right? No, inflation was permanent. What he's sort of saying is, well, if inflation's permanent, we're going to keep raising rates. If things start going to hell, we might cut them. That's kind of what he's saying. I think he's between a rock and a hard place, but... I don't disagree. If you have a comment, let us know. Today on The Financial Quarterback, we're going to be talking about navigating retirement planning amid inflation and rising interest rates. You know, a lot of you are worried. Interest rates not getting any lower. Inflation is not easing as much as the Fed wants it to. Retirement planning and financial planning is taking a new turn in the face of rising interest rates and inflation. It's a scenario that's making many of you rethink your strategies. From the importance of being debt-free before retirement, getting out of credit card debt, to the changing dynamics of stocks and bonds, there's a lot to consider how these economic factors influence retirement plans and what can be done to adapt. This from Kiplinger's article, Retirement Planning with Inflation and High Interest Rates. First point, debt-free retirement and interest rates. The article says debt-free status before retirement is crucial to minimize the impact of rising rates. If you locked in a 30-year fixed mortgage at 2.5%, like I told many people to in 2020, to protect you against the impact of rising rates, congratulations for listening. But if you have rising credit card debt, that's the bad debt that you need to pay off. Hey, if you have a 30-year mortgage at 2.5%, you can make 5% on treasury. You're making 2.5% on the arbitrage on a guaranteed product like your treasury to help you pay down your mortgage. That's wise arbitrage. Bad arbitrage is 24.99% credit card debt. That's why those who say avoid all debt, they don't really understand that there's a difference between good debt and bad debt. High interest rates can significantly affect you if you have a credit card balance, making it a key consideration in retirement planning. If you have high credit cards, you have to do everything you can to pay them down. Cut YouTube TV. Get rid of any non-essential spending until you get rid of credit card debt. Then let's talk about how interest rates affect the stock market and fixed income. Contrary to common belief, rising interest rates don't necessarily harm the stock market. 
They did initially last year, but then the market rebounded and can benefit retirees and fixed incomes. Why? Rates are higher at the bank. You can now get 5% high-yield money market accounts with our firm or firms like ours. We use Fidelity, Schwab. You can use uh, these high interest rates to get better fixed annuities, better fixed indexed annuities, better treasury rates. So the lemons, rising rates, the lemonade, you can take these rising rates and lock in better rates for your safe money. Next, you want to understand the relationship between interest rates and stock market performance is essential for effective retirement planning. There is also a human element in portfolio management. The current financial market conditions underscore the need to understand your own psychology and behavioral economics if you want to effectively manage your portfolio. Things like recency bias, cognitive biases, fear, greed, and the fact that you, no matter how rational you are, when you get punched in the face or your portfolio loses 20% or 30%, you have to find ways to counteract risks. Adapting to market dynamics and making informed decisions is vital in navigating today's economic landscape. Next, bond markets and future prospects. Rising rates have a significant impact on the bond market and bond funds. Generally, if you have a rising interest rate environment, that's bad for bond funds and bond ETFs. There's also potential for bonds to recover if the Fed decides to pause or lower interest rates in the future. So if you lost 20% on bond funds last year, give us a call, 888-988-JOSH. I'd love to help you navigate your portfolio to see if you're insulated properly against the negative impact of rising rates and inflation on your portfolio. Give me a call, 888-988-JOSH. Hit the subscribe button, like us, comment, subscribe. This is Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback. Retirement planning in an era of high inflation, rising rates present a unique challenge. It's more important than ever to be debt-free before retirement and to understand the nuanced relationship between interest rates, the stock market, and fixed income. The current economic environment highlights the importance of adaptability, and the human element in managing retirement portfolios. With careful planning and strategic adjustments, retirees can navigate these challenges and secure a financial future. And my big tip is don't think these high rates are going to stay high forever. Use products that lock in these rates for 10 years or longer or seven years or longer because we may not have rising rates forever. And then you're going to be stuck at 0% of the bank in a year or two from now. So be careful. No prediction is certain 100%, but take these rising rates seriously as a time to rethink your portfolio. Give us a call, 888-988-JOSH, 888-988-JOSH.
According to CNBC, Americans are doom spending. Hear why that's a problem. Hi, everybody. This is Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback. And there's a new trend called doom spending, where people keep spending money even when they're worried about the economy. A lot of Americans are doing this right now, especially the younger generation like Gen Z and millennials. They're shopping, even though they're concerned about things like high prices. While trying to enjoy the moment, it might not be the best for their wallets in the long run. Talk about idiots. Widespread economic concerns. Almost everyone in the U.S. is worried about the economy, but that's not stopping them from spending. High inflation rates are seen as a major hurdle to financial success by these younger spenders. Over a quarter of Americans are coping with economic worries by spending more, not less. Retail therapy kind of reminds me of my mother. But folks, my mother uh, ended up bankrupt on retail therapy. So I learned to be cheap, frugal, and to not keep up with the Joneses. Younger generations are seemingly the most to engage in this doom spending. The trend is clear with huge number of people shopping from Black Friday to Cyber Monday. There is no signs of a recession when it comes to shoppers. Experts advise finding a middle ground by saving automatically and steering clear of high interest credit card debt. There is no middle ground, people. If you are struggling financially, give the gift of love this Christmas and Hanukkah. Love is free. So let's say you're struggling financially or you don't have an emergency card. Say for this year, I'm going to give you my love. It's free, but it's priceless. Love, Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback. Tell them I did it. So Jim, I'm going to give you the gift of love. (laughs) I don't want your love. I want to watch in a dinner. (laughs) Yeah, but you know what? But if you're struggling financially, you got to do what's right. You got to say, I mean, I'll be honest. I look at my garage and it's filled with toys that my wife buys for my kids. And you know what I do? I end up throwing the stuff out. It's like, how many dumb pieces of plastic can we have? But my wife, for some reason, she wants to give gifts with love. Now, if we were struggling financially, she probably would cut back, to be honest, because when we were starting out, we lived very frugally for 10 years. But, you know, there are ways you can save money. You know, here's the thing. Maybe you're struggling financially. Would your kids rather you and your husband stay together or you and your wife stay together or get a divorce because you can't afford the credit card debt because you want to go on a spending spree because you want to pretend you were Santa Claus to your kids? Santa Claus isn't even real. Get with the program. I see these kids on Instagram, people on Instagram. They are lying to their kids, pretending they're elves. Or Santa, you know what? It would be far more valuable if you got out of credit card debt this Christmas. That would be the best thing for your marriage and the best thing for your wallet. So there's no middle ground there. For young people, start saving early. 
can lead to big benefits later due to compounding. Doom spending is a real thing right now, especially among youngsters. It's important to be aware of this trend and to think about how it affects long-term financial health. Finding your balance between enjoying the now and preparing for the future is the key. I'm your financial quarterback, Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback on Spotify, Apple, and wherever you can hear podcasts. And give me a call now, 888-988-JOSH, for our free Christmas and Hanukkah gift to you. It's 45 minutes with the financial quarterback team and a 27-point ultimate financial game plan for retirement. Call us now, 888-988-JOSH, 888-988-JOSH, 888-988-5674.